Hi, I'm Jacqueline Freeman. And I'm Sarah Korn. You're listening to Kitchen Table Alchemy, living in full color. This is a podcast for people who see and spread the magical in everyday life. Welcome. So um, this week for Kitchen Table Alchemy, we are doing a virtual podcast. I am in Reno, Nevada. And uh, Sarah is back in the lovely Phoenix, Arizona. And um, so we're, we're doing this virtual. The next podcast, uh, I'll be in Salem, Oregon. So, um, so hopefully this works. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I, the, the technology is with us. <laughs> I know, right? So, um, and our ability to navigate all, that it, all the little fun ways it likes to play with us. <laughs> mm. So um, I am taking this month to um, – I'm on winding sabbatical this month. I'm working on um, a book on excavating the goddess from the Abrahamic tradition. And um, so I've been thinking a lot <laughs> this week about, um, about sort of um, toxic masculinity's role in sustaining racial ideas of racial supremacy. And then um, this weekend <laughs> in uh, Virginia, there was a neo-Nazi and KKK rally um, that uh, got just ridiculously out of control. They were like literally torch-wielding um, white supremacists and neo-Nazis that marched on the campus in Virginia. Um, I believe it was sparked because the campus wants to pull down a statue of the Confederate General Lee. Um, and as there often is when um, the white supremacists show up to do rallies, there's lots of people that um, that show up to do a counter rally. And um, from what I've understood um, from people that were there, uh, the police presence was mostly targeted at the counter rallies, which is really disturbing. Um, there was somebody that drove their car <laughs> through the counter rally. Um, killing one and injuring, was it 25 or 26? Do you know? I heard 19, but it might have changed. It might have changed since you saw. So, um, um, and, and there are five different states, apparently, that have proposed legislation to make it legal to drive your car into protesters. Um, I'm, Wait, I'm to really make it hoping legal to do that? Making it legal to do that, yeah. So this was on the table before this weekend, right? Um, and so I'm really hoping that the events of this weekend have gotten a lot of people to sort of wake up and see what this really looks like, right? Um, it's one thing to get all worked up in a frenzy listening to talk radio, and it's another thing to see what these things get that get tossed out in anger like look like um, when it meets flesh and blood, right? Um, and in this case, flesh and blood on the pavement. So, um, uh, so as disturbing as everything this weekend was, and as upsetting as everything this weekend was, um, I'm not surprised at all that the person currently serving as our president has not denounced any of this. Um, I don't expect him to, and because um, this is his base. Um, but one thing that is really, one thing that I am really concerned about is that I, I'm worried that we're being played to call for restrictions in freedom of speech and freedom of assembly that are going to impact us across the board. Um, yeah. So there were so, so there are people who are saying that um, basically that the neo Nazis and KKK shouldn't have had a right to assemble right. and do their march in the first place. Right. Exactly. So um, and I know that there was you know something I had posted. Uh, there were people that were like, well, I don't think they should have been allowed to gather in the first place. And um, I know since it's happened, there are people calling for um, their symbols to be banned. Um, obviously, a lot of people are really angry that um, the president hasn't 
they did he he did like officially denounce I think today, um, but it was still pretty weak, <laughs> right? Um, and he's still saying it's coming from multiple sides as opposed to really uh, naming the white supremacists as being the problem makers for the things that happened this weekend. Um, but so yeah, so there's a lot of people that are spending a lot of energy on denouncing and saying that the the symbols should be um, banned and that they need to be beaten back and not given a platform and um, and all these kinds of things and and I just can't help but seeing that um, you know we've beaten this back and didn't give it a platform for a couple of decades and it didn't seem to get rid of it. Right. Yeah, and I think that's really, that's definitely a disturbing idea of, you know, anytime someone says, oh, we need to start limiting people's rights to assemble and free speech because, you know, uh, that always gets, ends up getting turned back on other people too, right? Not just right. the people who are, um, you know, the neo-Nazis. So, you know, any, the great thing about having freedom of speech in our country is that it applies to everyone and right. of course the downside is you don't always agree with what other people are saying but right. you don't have to and you know there's a difference between someone getting up on their platform and saying something and that doesn't mean you have to believe it right and I, I will say I do not think coming to a rally fully armed is peaceful assembly right that True. should not be yeah. protected. That is not right. peaceful assembly. If you if you are if you are if you are marching down the street fully armed, you're you're gathering an army. <laughs> you're not peacefully sure. protesting, yeah. right? So yeah, that's that an is to me that is that is very. So I you know I want to make that clear. I'm not saying oh these guys were totally innocent and we need to really check it. Like no, they they came fully armed. The people that had arms should have been taken away. That's not peaceful yeah. assembly, right? If you're yeah. throwing jars of piss at the people lining the street that you're walking down, that's not peaceful assembly. That's assault. If you're right. driving your car through protesters, that's not, you're, you don't have, that's not freedom of speech. That's, that's assault. That's vehicular manslaughter, right? So, yeah. or, or, or at the very least attempted vehicular manslaughter. So, so I do want to be very, very clear that, that a lot of the things that happened this weekend um, should not have been allowed to happen, that you shouldn't be able to show up at a parade with a gun. Like, this is not, right. <laughs> so I, I'm I, not I okay with this. Saying, yeah, I see where you're saying that there's some potential that we're being played here is because, yeah. you know, if, if people say, well, look at what happened at this rally, and that's what happens when you allow people to assemble, and so therefore we should get rid of assembly rights. Well, but they right. weren't peacefully assembling, right? No, they, they were not. really following the rules of peaceful assembly. So, right. yeah, that's not really grounds to take away that right, but it's it could be portrayed that way, right, if people aren't paying attention right. to that nuance. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So I think, and, and it's very clear from the stories that I've heard of people that were there that the police were protecting the, the white supremacists and the Nazis. They were not protecting the counter-protesters. Wow. That's that the snipers right were aimed at the counter-protesters, that the people that got pepper sprayed were the counter-protesters. Um, so, so, so I think we have to be very careful, and we need to... It's one of the things about Americans. We kind of live in this world of shoulds, right? Like we kind of have a problem accepting what is and then working with that. <laughs> you know what I mean? We we work in this mm. whole, well, it shouldn't be that way. And and so we end up missing the mark over and over again, I, I feel like. And um, like having this discussion with the current government in place um, I think it'd be really naive to believe that that if we're calling for restrictions on freedom of assembly, peaceful assembly, um, and calling for restrictions on freedom of speech, and calling for bans of symbols, then um, this government is not going to play that out in a way that is going to encourage the dissent necessary for a healthy democracy, <laughs> right? So. Right. Um, 
but but I think there does need to be some accountability as far as like um, making sure that peaceful assembly is peaceful assembly, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you you can't yeah. come in paramilitary gear, gear armed to the teeth. That's not peaceful assembly. Yeah. So yeah. that that and, and also, Yeah, and well, what you said too about the police being more on the side of the of the white supremacists is also you know, a disturbing thing and which yeah. ties into, I think, what you were saying about, um, uh, what did you call something? Toxic masculinity. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. So, so what does that mean exactly? Um, and it's really interesting because like, I, 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 um, we've covered this a couple of times before, I think, and I set up, um, I set up an altar to divine masculinity in my house just to help me build my own idea of what that looks like because I think my I we we have so normalized toxic masculinity that I think it's really difficult for a lot of people to even imagine what a healthy masculinity looks like because what we call being a man is often toxic, right? Mm. So um and it the, the basis of it is that it's really this, um, um, it's a power over, its power comes from domination, right? Um, control. And, huh? Uh, control, domination, and control. Yes, control and, do- yeah, domination and control. It's really a power over kind of thing. Um, and so there's a lot of, you know, face saving and um, this, definition of honor that I find very upside down and twisted, <laughs> right? Uh, maintaining honor, these kinds of things. So, um, but I think we've become so, we've so mainstreamed that, um, that it's hard for us to imagine a masculinity that doesn't, con- that doesn't contain those things, right? Right. Um, and I think now is really time for us to work really hard on doing that. <laughs> we have got to we've got to imagine and practice a masculinity that, um, that is healthy and cooperative and seeks to raise up rather than push down. Right. Yeah, Um, absolutely. And there's, there's some really interesting, um, I started linking these two together, right? The sort of white supremacy or racial supremacy and toxic masculinity, um, I think it was last year. So I, uh, there's two documentaries on Netflix that I would really recommend folks see. One is called The Mask You Live In, um, which is this really powerful documentary about the way that we shut down um, boys' emotional expression. The Mask We and Live In or The Mask You Live In? The Mask You Live In. Okay. Um, I believe. And then the... The other one is called Erasing Hate, which is about um, a former white supremacist that wants to get that wanted to get out of the white supremacist community, um, and which is very dangerous because a lot of people that try to leave get killed, right? Because um, they uh. they are terrorist organizations. <laughs> so, um, so when the people try to leave, they they get killed. But um, so he's been trying to leave, and he has all these tattoos, of course, that have all these white nationalist and Nazi symbols, um, and he wanted them taken off so that he could really start a new life. And um, so the documentary is following, the, I think it's the SPLC, actually, that helps him, like, helps him raise the money to get the tattoos taken off. Um, and it wow. is a grueling process, very, very painful. Um, it takes you know, weeks and weeks and weeks for them to be able to um, to get all these things off. And um, and in the meantime, you're hearing about how he got into the group, what got him disillusioned with the group, the things they went to to try to get out of the group, right? Um, and one of the things that his girlfriend talked about quite a bit was how there's a lot of rhetoric around protecting women and children, um, but the reality is is that women and children are totally expendable and that abuse is very common, right? Um, and right. Um, there was a, I think the thing that had really taken her over the edge was that they were at a rally, um, 
or a gathering rather, so somewhere in the woods in the middle of nowhere, um, and there were these tents set up sort of the back of the encampment, and she came to find out that there were like 14 and 15-year-old girls in those tents, and guys were just like basically gangbanging them, right, just going in one, of the, one after the other um, to have sex wow. with these children. And so once she found that out, she was so horrified, right, um, that that was really when things started shifting for her as well, when she really realized that all this rhetoric about protecting women and children meant absolutely nothing, right? Like, um, so it was more like, as as they... it was more like honor for show kind of, right? Like we say we care about women right. and protecting and all, but really, it's really about control under yes. the guise of this sort of honorable behavior. Right. So they're, they're calling on something that the, like the divine or the healthy masculine is very concerned about, which is protecting the community. Right. Right. Um, but then um, it's only protection from the outside, right? So because uh, we're allowed to right. do whatever we want. We're allowed to do whatever right. we want. Um, instead of um, like really, and, and I think, so, so in this conversation that I've been seeing happening where um, people are rightfully so very upset and very shaken by what happened in Virginia this weekend because it's very upsetting and shaking um, for a lot of different reasons. But if, if and, and I've seen lots of people that are like, my grandfather fought in World War II to stop this and um, I can't believe we've reached a time when it's so difficult to get leaders to denounce this and um, you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. And so, uh, but we've we've seen that denouncing doesn't work, and and I think we're in we're in danger of going into some kind of nostalgia, in believing that we 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 readily denounced this when it happened in the 30s because we didn't. Right. We were very late to get into the war, actually. Right. Um, yeah. It's that we, that wishful thinking of. Well, we won World War Two. We killed Hitler. We destroyed the Nazis. We won. What's the problem here? Kind of like how uh, racism was over too after the Civil Rights Movement. <laughs> right, right. Right. right? And obviously, like, we, that's we what didn't... we want to believe true, but right. reality is something a little different. Yeah, quite. And so, like, the, I think we we have to come to the painful awareness that what we did in the past did not work. It didn't yeah. work. Denouncing it, it didn't make it go away. Beating it back didn't make it go away. Fighting it in a war didn't make it go away. And so we've we've got to find a new we have we have to find a new solution instead of calling for the old solutions that we have evidence didn't work because it, it looks like it's nastier than it ever was to me. See what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. If, I, I don't know if it is. Maybe it's just the same, but it feels nastier um, and and more subtle and more wily than it ever was, right? So, so, and what's ironic is that these calls to, like, beat it back and send it into a cave and cast it into the shadows, right? Like, that's a very toxic masculine way of dealing with problems. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, right. We're 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 going to control and dominate this into non-existence, you know, and 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 that doesn't work. It doesn't work. Yeah. In fact, it's the thing that's actually feeding it, right? So, um, so we've got to look at deeper, like deeper things that this is coming from, um, and find a way to heal as opposed to denounce. Right. So then, okay, so then if the pattern that we're trying to get rid of is this, this cycle and this culture of toxic masculinity, then what are we replacing it with? Is it um, the other, what did you call it? Is it divine masculinity or, or what did yeah, you call it? Yeah, divine masculinity or even just healthy masculinity. I think it's really like about shifting from a system of power over domination and control to power with, um, with 
sort of collaboration. And, and I think really the sort of heart of Power With is coming to a place where we're able to honor everyone's sovereignty, right, as human beings. Like, honor our own sovereignty and honor the sovereignty of others. Right. I think it's really at the base of it, right? And that means yeah. that I have to – and we were talking about this earlier, right? Like it, that, that, that basically means we need to learn – we need to learn how to honor people's yes and no. Right. We, and we need, to, we need to understand what our own yeses and nos are before we can even do that. Right. If I'm if I don't know if I don't know what my own yes feels like and what my yeses are and what my no feels like and what my nos are, um, and allow those to be because a lot of times they're not in alignment with what I've been told I'm supposed to. Yeah, I think that's really in, you know, you said this earlier that we live in uh, a very should-based society. And so a lot of times I think people don't even realize that they have the option to say yes and no to some things that, you know, they've been so programmed to believe that, like, this is how things should be. This is the way we do things here, you know. This is how it's always been that, that, uh, you know, it doesn't, it either doesn't occur to people that there are other options or when they think, you know, about, well, maybe we should be doing this differently, you know, there's this sort of guilt of, oh, but I shouldn't be thinking that. I, you know, I should be doing it this other way. Right, right. And add on top of that, like, all these arbitrary sort of gender rules that we have, right? So as a woman, I should do this, and I should do this, and I should want this, and I should want that, and I shouldn't do this, and I shouldn't do this, and I shouldn't want that. Right. Right. And, and the same, same thing, thing with for men, men, too. Right, yeah. Right. So This like, is what it looks so we, like to be a man, which is very yeah. much from that toxic masculine uh, Right. And so we, we end up, like, not allowing people their full humanity, Right. Right. I mean, it, it's. I think it's really striking that the majority of those white supremacist protesters or ralliers or whatever you want to call them, like most of them were men. They're obviously white, right? So it was. Most of them were men. I don't. I don't remember mm-hmm. what statistics were, but it was like you know eighty, ninety percent, like overwhelming majority um, were men, and so. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Which tells you who benefits from that kind of culture. <laughs> well, and it also tells me, like, so if we kind of fall back on the things that we have spent, like, our entire podcast time talking about, right, like, since we started the podcast, like, um, if this is a reflection of these sort of deeper things that are happening within us, right, then here's a bunch of people screaming, they're they seek to deny the full humanity of others. And knowing what I know about how my inner world works, my, what I wonder, what I wonder, what I assume, what I think is that they seek to diminish the humanity of others because they themselves have had their humanity diminished. Right. Yeah. Right. And it, and it doesn't the, mean like, oh, poor white supremacist. That's not what I'm doing. You know I mean, right. but I think we have to look at, like, clearly, these are men that have tried to conform to an idea of masculinity that has not allowed them to be a full human being. Right? Like toxic masculinity. Right. The only emotions you're allowed to feel are lust and anger. You're not allowed to feel anything else. Anything else, and you're a pussy. Right? Right, right. So where's the humanity in that? And and how do we, and, and I think Brene Brown talks a lot about this. Um, so this isn't, again, like, oh, men this and men that. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you're listening to this and identify as a woman, then how are we expecting that from the men in our lives? How are we denying them their humanity? How are, we, how are we not making space for them to experience a full range of emotions? How, 
how and where are we telling them to man up instead of be vulnerable and raw and real, right? Right. Like, where is this coming? I, I mean, that's the only thing I know how to do with this. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't. Yeah. I, I think there, there's, there's lots of solutions because this is a really big problem. Um, there's lots of solutions because this is a really big problem, and different people are going to have different perspectives and different angles on on what's happening here and how we can work with it. But to me, it's quite clear that beating it back and denying it a platform and sending it to a cave are what is creating this, not what's going to stop it. Yeah. And what's deceptive, I think, about this kind of thing, and and as I see everybody sort of dividing up even more so than in the past into their groups of, you know, I'm in this group and I'm for this and I'm against that, is that it is, it's putting everybody at odds with each other, right? It's necessitating conflict and war and and winners and losers and and otherizing everybody's otherizing right and yeah and then and then what happens from that is it becomes okay to hurt the others which right like you said is because they're not human honoring right exactly so if we don't see them as fully human then it's easy for us to hurt them take away their rights deny their voice um, right. And this right. is where I think it gets tricky and what people have difficulty with is because, like you said, you know, a moment ago, you don't be like, oh, poor white supremacist, you know. But yet, right. at, at the same time that, you know, it's like, it's like, how do you have compassion for someone who is doing terrible things, you know? Right. Um, how do you uh, open yourself up to honoring them as a human being you know, when right. they're killing people and raping people. Right, when they're not and... acting like a human being. Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> when they're in their lowest, basest form instead of acting like a, instead of acting like the human beings that they are. So, yeah, no, it's really, it's really true. And I think that, but, but, but what but we're I... We're not saying it's easy. <laughs> no, no. We're just saying no. it needs to be done, right? Right. <laughs> and that, and that we've got to resist the temptation to blame and shame and think that we're clean. Yeah. Right. We've got to resist that temptation because I, I really feel like that's the crux of it. It's so easy to, to look at them and how they do things and what they think. And, you know, it's so easy to look at that and, and call them monsters and, shame and blame and think that they're the ones that have it all wrong and, and that we're clean in this situation. And, and I, I think that, I think that is the way to perpetuate this. Right. And because of course they're thinking the same thing on their end, right? That's exactly perspective is we're the ones who are right and they're the ones who are wrong and, you know, weak and what have you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So thinking, thinking that we're, clean and the others are not is a form of othering. Yeah, no, it really, really is. It's really interesting because I've been thinking, again, I'm, you know, on this writing sabbatical about the goddess and the Abrahamic tradition. So, I've, so I'm thinking a lot about the Abrahamic tradition and its rituals and its texts and this kind of stuff. And um, it's interesting because the, the Hajj at Mecca, right, um, there's people that die almost every year. And it's interesting because as long as I've been paying attention to it, um, and I've been paying attention since about 04, 05, um, so a decade now, a little over a decade now, as long as I've been paying attention to it, the people, when people die, they tend to die during the section of the Hajj where they're stoning the devil. What's the Hajj? The Hajj is the Muslim pilgrimage to Mecca. Oh, okay. And so, um, so when they when they do the pilgrimage, they're acting out these scenes from Hajar or Hagar, um, Sarah's maidservant, that Sarah Sarah told Abraham to to cast her out of the house after she got pregnant. So Sarah gave Hagar um, to Abraham to have a child because she wasn't conceiving, and then after Hagar had the child. 
Sarah got jealous and cast her out of the house because she felt like the maid thought she was better than she was, right? Mm-hmm. That's its own thing. So um, that's its own thing. So, but, so, uh, so Abraham casts um, Hagar, Hajar, and Ishmael out of the house and sent them into the desert. And so then Hajar was running back and forth between these hills looking for water after their, their supplies had run out. So, um, so everything in the, the, the Hajj pilgrimage rituals that, that Muslims perform, that's performed once a year, and if you're able, it's one of the pillars of Islam that you perform this Hajj at least once in your lifetime. And so um, if you're economically and physically able to. So, but they're, they're acting out, Hajar looking for water, they're acting out, um, Abraham stoning the devil, like, you know, everything that they're acting out is part of the story. And um, it's, it's really fascinating to think. And I can't remember what year it was that I made the connection that people were, that people tended to die during the stoning of the devil section of the rituals, right? This goes over the course of a week, so, or three days, I think, is when the intense part of it is. So, um, so at one stage, you know, everyone goes to this one particular place out in the desert and you're gathering stones. And then when you get to this particular place in the desert, you throw these stones that you've gathered. And either people accidentally get stoned, they fall down the well, they get trampled, like, but it always tends to happen in that section of the ritual. And I just think it's fascinating. The lesson that I get from that is that in our attempt to, 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 to fight evil, to resist <laughs> evil, to kill, to stone the devil, right? We'll end, up, we'll end up becoming the devil ourselves or being killed ourselves in the process. Right. Right. Like there's really, there's really a lesson there. And, um, and I think that's the thing that we have to pay very, very close attention to right now that um, in in fighting these monsters or whatever, like there's a, there's a very real danger that we become the monster that we've been fighting. And, and, and I, I wonder if fighting is, we've got to find another way other than fighting. (laughs) Like enough with the war, with the war crap, like we've got to find another way to, um, we've got to find another way to deal with this because the, the, the othering, the animosity, the warring, like, this this is not helping us, right? Yeah. Well, I I think that segues nicely into um, what I wanted to talk about, which is about finding love. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We got to stop the warring before we're going to be able to find the love, right? Like. <laughs> Not necessarily, actually. No. So, um, so I am actually uh, right now doing this program that is about um, attracting genuine love, and so it's uh, a way of doing the work to set yourself up for finding and attracting um, a conscious, loving, lasting romantic relationship. And what I think is really interesting about it, and one of the reasons I really like the program, um, is because it focuses really on what you can do within yourself to attract the kind of partner that you really want that's really healthy for you. So breaking the cycle of, you know, those same bad relationships. You know how some people say, I keep ending up in the same relationship over and over just with different men. And um, or never can seem to you know attract a partner or whatever, and so um, and so the exercises that you work through are things like um, self acceptance and self love, um, and then also uh, the most recent activity I did was on your yeses and nos, right? So the yeah. things that you absolutely are like, I must have you know these things in a relationship, and. Um, and then these are your like no's, like the deal breakers. Um, and then, and then for each of those, after you go through and figure out, okay, you know, based on my experience, what are, you know, the yes, absolute yeses and no's, um, for me individually, then, um, the instructor asks you to say, okay, are you embodying your absolute yeses? 
Yeah. And and if not, then that's something to work on because, you right. know, if you want that, if you want to attract that in somebody else, then you need to be embodying that in yourself. And then same thing with the nose. If you're saying, I don't want this in somebody else, but you do it. <laughs> right. Then, yeah. you know, then that's not in resonance. And um, um, so I think that, you know, in terms of uh, starting – you know, saying like, well, we have to stop the war before we can have the love, I think it actually goes the other way around is it works with first doing the work within yourself and then, you know, that goes out of you and into the world, Um, which isn't to say we shouldn't try to stop the war at the same time. I guess we can do both simultaneously. Well, the warring (laughs) starts on the inside. I mean, the warring starts on the inside. Right. So if yeah. I if I if I'm in if I'm in war within myself, if I'm dominating and controlling myself instead of figuring out who I am, right? Then then I'm going to have war within me and I'm going to have war in my relationships and I'm going to have war at work and I'm contributing to war in the world, right? Mm-hmm. Um but if I'm um if I'm dropping, and I love that line in Toni Morrison's Beloved, where the the grandmother says um, says to her, "Lay down your sword and shield and study war no more." Right? Like it's it's time now, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Like make your way out of the slavery and and then lay your sword and shield down, um, and and study no more. Study study war no more so um because it really does start inside if i'm not and that's yeah like it really and i feel like it it's a perfect reflection of what we're seeing happening in the world around us right now you know if i'm if i'm not in a space like to be able to attract that relationship because you know this is the work i do in my private practice as well right so um and stuff that I had to do with myself to, to be able to attract the relationship that I'm in. So, um, like if I'm, if I'm trying to like conform to some system in my head of what I think I should be, (laughs) right. Um, then there's going to be a lot of war and conflict inside of me. And there's probably going to be a lot of hypocrisy and shame and blame and right because if there's a part of me that emerges that doesn't fit within this construct then you know i'm i i used to employ like all these different tactics to try to push it down tie it up beat it repress it do you know what i mean like that wasn't acceptable i wasn't going to allow that to come to the surface so so i didn't know what my yeses and nos were right because I, I mm-hmm. had what I thought I my yeses should be and what mm-hmm. my no's should be and, you know, ended up getting into a lot of situations and a lot of relationships that were just freaking miserable, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know what just came to me as you were saying that, you know, because you said earlier about with toxic masculinity that, you know, the only acceptable uh, emotions are lust and anger, you know? And, yeah. and I, I feel like, that's kind of when you were saying that that's sort of how you were it's like you were when you when a person's in that sort of unconscious state where they don't know their un yes their own yeses and nos they're acting on desire which is mm-hmm. you know a form of lustful kind of um maybe not sexual but but there's that i want i want i want you know and then when you don't get what you want you get angry um in yeah. this just the cycle that feeds right um, yeah. And as opposed to getting clear on your yeses and nos, which are desires at a deeper level. Right. Right. Yeah, because there's 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 the desire that wants to possess, which is domination and control. <laughs> right. <laughs> and right. then there's the desire that pulls us forward. Right. right. I had, so I had this experience recently where I uh, had a crush on somebody and, and it was like, there was, there was the emotion of love, you know, of I love this person so great. They're so wonderful. And then, but then there was also the, 
possession like and I want them to be my boyfriend you know like um and 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 what I got through that experience was I learned to separate the two and go okay this is my feeling of love for this person and that's okay and that I can just let it be but I don't have to possess them they don't have to be my boyfriend they don't have to do this or that you know for me or with me or anything like that right I I let go and release my expectations around they have to be in a relationship with me and 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 then and then I could just enjoy the love yeah you know the emotion yeah. by itself without it because otherwise it's like when you get that possessive kind of desire it sort of poisons the love you know it it yeah. poisons the relationship when you're not getting what you want and what you expect out of the relationship Right. Well, and then, like, they're not really allowed to be free, and you're not free either. Right. Like, yeah. there's no freedom there. Right? So, yeah. like, like, learning what my yeses and nos were and allowing them to come up, right? Because I, I had this very intense structure of who I thought I should be. And if these things came up and they didn't fit that structure, they got shoved down. Um, mm. And I did all kinds of things to, to beat them out, rip them out, send them in the cages, stuff them in the shadows, drown them. I mean, I did, you know, all the things. And, um, and it didn't work. <laughs> they just grew. Um, right. So, just but, like those Nazis. One, yeah, exactly. It didn't, it didn't uh, you know, then they were just controlling the rudder from underneath the ship. So right. I would find myself again and again in situations and relationships that I had tried and worked so hard to stay away from, and then there I was, right? But I, mm-hmm. I was pushing all this stuff down, and, and when we do that, then it controls the ship from underneath. So, um, so in that, yeah, so uh, like allowing finally that yes to come up, allowing myself to not want, to, want something that, I, that I've been told I'm supposed to want, to allow mm. myself to to want something, um, right, other way around. I can't remember what I just said. <laughs> but allow that real part of me to come up without shaming myself, without blaming myself, without judgment of myself, right? Like that in and of itself is a process, <laughs> a very painful, itchy, uncomfortable process um, that can take a while, right? Um, but allowing those things to come up and honoring my own sovereignty within my own skin, right? I think it, took, it, it takes a while to just allow ourselves to feel whatever comes up inside our own skin and hmm. to, to allow thoughts to happen and not blame ourselves for whatever thought came up or blame ourselves for whatever emotion came through, right? Like hmm. if I don't allow myself to feel freely, then I'm not going to allow other people to feel freely because right. what if they're feeling something I've been working really hard to shove underground, right? Right. Then I, be- then I become like feeling police and they're not allowed to feel this way um, because it makes me feel uncomfortable because I've been working really hard not to feel that way, right? So suddenly right. my not allowing myself freedom begins to impinge on my ability to allow others freedom Right, mm-hmm. but but if I can get into a place of self acceptance and self compassion and and recognize that I'm I'm not responsible for my emotions, I'm responsible for words that I say. I'm responsible for my actions. Right, Th- those I am responsible for. Those are the things that come out of me. But for the for an, an emotion that runs through my skin, for a thought that runs across my mind, like. That just happens. <laughs> Do you know what yeah, I mean? It just and is Byron, what it is. Right. Byron Katie and Eckhart Tolle both have talked and taught about how, um, you know, to, to say thinking like it's a verb that we have some sort of control over is really a, ridiculous, right? We don't think. <laughs> thinking just happens, right? Mm. Um, so, um, so really, like, accepting that and, and allowing that freedom within me and then 
you know, then I then then I have to make decisions about what I'm going to act on, what I'm not going to act on, how I'm going to interact with things when they do come up. You know what I mean? Like, I, I've got decisions and things I have to make about that. But it but it starts with just being free in my own skin to yeah. to feel whatever comes up, right? And it's not until I allow myself to do that that I can even discover what my yeses and nos are. Right. And and it's I'm, not. In, I, Sorry, go yeah, ahead. go ahead. No, as I say, I think I'm I'm pretty lucky that uh, you know I I've always been kind of fascinated with my internal world, with sort of why I think things and do things, and like learning about myself. And so um, so for me, I've always had kind of a curiosity about oh, that's interesting that I thought that, and and once I sort of embrace this idea of. I want to improve myself and, and improve my life and, and do this internal work. Then it was just a matter of, oh, let's root around in there and find out, see what comes up. But it can, um, you know, it can be unpleasant sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. I think maybe the experience differs for different people. Um, I think the thing that for me has been frustrating is that there always seems to be something else that comes up. Like you think you've done the work. You're like, yeah. okay, yeah, I've totally got this self-acceptance, self-loving thing down, and then something else comes up, and you're like, yeah. really? <laughs> mm-hmm. So true. And it's been one of the things that I've been thinking about lately, too, is like the way that patriarchy has this one-and-done mentality, right? We want to, like, mm. let's just take care of it this once, so we never have to deal with it again, right? When in fact and, things um, in nature are very cyclical. Exactly. And yeah, yeah. Exactly. Often and so I've been thinking about like the sort of evils we end up um, perpetrating in the name of one and done and, and just not right. accepting that there are lots and lots of things that don't one and done. They're never going to be <laughs> yeah. one and done. It, it, it yeah. is always going to be around. You are always like going to have to do maintenance. Yeah, totally. Yeah. There's you're, always, you're always going to be gonna... more. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I, I feel like, um, you know, I'm starting to see this as a sort of mark of patriarchy. Um, and I think it might be a place where a lot of our listeners could maybe get some really fruitful observances and insights into how they do this in, in their own lives, right? For yep. accepting that things just have to be, they're done, they're, they happen in cyclical ways, they're going to take perpetual maintenance, right? Um, and, and I think that folds back into the conversation of, of the stuff that happened this weekend too, like this idea that we defeated white supremacy, that we we got rid of Nazism, that we've defeated, you know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. I, I don't know that that's a one and done kind of thing. I think that... Yeah, because if you think about it, if, you know, if that kind of stuff, if things like anger and resentment and, you know, feeling this need to dominate because you've been dominated over, you haven't been giving your, your freedoms or, you know, that kind of stuff can happen, you know, in life, yeah. and there's always going to me- be a need to help people come back from that, you know, and yeah. to help them reestablish their freedom as a human being and, and you know, grow back into their hum- humanity, and, and that there's always going to be a need for that, and so this isn't, it's not like we can just get rid of hate once and for all. Right. Well, and I think we have to recognize all the different forms that it comes in and make sure that we're always on the lookout lookout for it within ourselves right Mm. like because there's there's those that um that we see others othering but then there's those that we other who are we othering and and what is calling us to do that what are we afraid of Right. What do they represent in us that we've worked really hard to push down? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Right. What part um, of ourselves are we othering? Also, yeah. Yeah, also. Yeah. So, because um, I, I, I think it's, you know, it, it takes 
this is perpetual maintenance. And, and like you said with the relationship work that you're looking at right now, right? Like there's the things we want in the world and to make sure that we're in, in integrity with that, like be the change you want to see, right? Um, yeah. But if we're, if we're doing that sort of be the change you want to see and then being really self-righteous about it, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, uh, yeah, well, then that's your place to do some more work, right? Like, that's, that's where your maintenance needs to come in. So because it's, you know, like I, I don't know that um, – and so that's why, you know, like reiterate again, I, I think it's really imperative to fight the urge – to otherize, demonize, and, and, and become the monsters that we're looking at, you know, that we call the others of being. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, what is it that they're doing that we're finding so upsetting, and where are the places that we do it? Because there's places that all of us do it. There really are. Yeah. And if, if we think that there's places that we don't, then we're kid. That's when it's we're in the greatest danger because we're not paying attention. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's where you know, and we've talked about this before on the podcast. How you know all this stuff that's happened, you know, recently with the new administration and everything that's been stirred up, is really, um, you know, it's bringing that stuff to the surface and showing us yeah. where, um, where things that we thought were gone or taken care of. Um, are still there and that we do we can't just be complacent you know it's it's helping to pull people out of their complacency and and remind us that no this is something that needs we need to be perpetually on the lookout for um for hate for discrimination for um othering and you know all these things that lead to conflict and suffering yeah yeah and i think yeah like really making sure that we're doing like it's time for us to do a deeper dive on this Right. Now that this has been brought back to the surface again, like, okay, so let's look a little deeper at what starts this and what causes this. And um, policing language and beating it back into a cave isn't making it, that's not healing it and, and solving it and transforming it. So um, so we've we've got to be willing to look at different, look a little bit deeper and think about, like, what is really going to heal and transform this as opposed to what's going to beat it out of the way so I don't, have to, I, I don't have to think that it exists anymore. So glad that you could join us today. And we are here to start a conversation, not be the conversation. So we would love to have you join us uh, around the digital campfire. Uh, you can come to the Facebook page. Find Kitchen Table Alchemy, the group, um, and that's a great place to connect with other people, uh, talk about what we've been talking about, also to find out where our next pop-up podcast is going to be, and Pinterest. Find us on Pinterest. So that article that you were looking for that you've scrolled through and you can't find it, it's probably on the Pinterest board. So uh, go find the Kitchen Table Alchemy group over on Pinterest. And for the latest episodes, you can go to our website, kitchentablealchemy.com, or you can subscribe through iTunes. And that way it's downloaded automatically. You don't have to remember anything. That's that's what I like. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so we've loved having you. Y'all come back now, you hear? here. <laughs>